0: Adam Shartoff, host of Film Wax Radio. It's Tuesday, June 30th, 2020, and this is episode number 621 of the podcast. Well, I have moved myself up to the Hudson Valley for a while. My friends, I uh, decided to take a break from New York. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know only too well i mention it every chance I can. In the pot, to my guests, that these have been the plans for some time, and uh, it all happened in the last week, just a few days ago. I'm settling in. I'm unpacking. I'm almost done unpacking. Setting up my studio up here, at least my home studio, at least. Uh, so hopefully, now that I'm in a more permanent uh, spot, for at least for in a definite period, you will be able to hear a little better quality. Audio. It's been on Zoom, and I, I can I will continue to be using Zoom, I suppose. But I'll try to in, improve the quality of the audio, at least from my my own audio, my own audio, and uh, that'll happen soon. I mean, I, I but what you're hearing today and over the next couple of weeks have been recorded in the last few months, really. You know, so please forgive. Although I think that came, things have come out reasonably well. Uh, so anyway, this episode, uh, you know, you know, I have on a lot of people from the film industry, a lot of film directors and actors, that type of thing. But I also, you know, I have a great passion for music, and so I occasionally invite on, you know, musicians and, uh, you know, specifically as uh, well, uh, singer-songwriters because I was one. I mean, a fledgling one. I I, I can't say I did it with that much. Uh, ambition, But back before the film days, I was in the music industry. Even before that, going back to the very late 80s, early 90s, I started writing music songs. And so I played and I started performing them in the 90s and in different clubs around the city and uh, recorded a lot of songs. This is all ancient history now. But I was always interested in songwriting. So that's what drew me to people like today's guest, Josh Rouse, who I, you know, I don't remember how I became introduced to him originally, but I've seen him perform many times over the years. And I've been, you know, he's one of these guys, one of the many guys who uh, has, you know, uh, really been somebody who I put on when I need uh, a little bit of a lift, you know. And just because I find that... um, I love the production of his music he has a very specific style that he's really authentic and he has evolved as an artist into this what i think of as a brilliant songwriter and 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 musician and so i was very thrilled to have reached out to him and to get a a great response and so about oh a month a half maybe a month and a half ago we sat he was in his living room in uh, Valencia, Spain, where he sp- spends half of or splits his time. He's got his wife, Liz, from Spain, and then he and they spend most, some of the year in, in Nashville. Obviously, the uh, pandemic has had a certain uh, effect on how much time and when he can get where he goes. But uh, certainly performing has come to a, a temporary um but uh anyhow he was in spain when we recorded this conversation i was in new york still down in the city and so that's what you're going to hear you know you can keep tr- of course find josh rouse r-o-u-s-e he's uh, made uh, many albums over the years you can find him on spotify and on youtube and and, and get if you don't know his music already you'll hear a little bit more One thing I regret is that I forgot to tell him that when I first started this podcast, I stole a little bit of of a song of his. I stole uh, the uh, opening instrumental from this song, uh, Simple Pleasure. I think it's called Simple Pleasure that he wrote on his album, The Happiness Waltz. And uh, I started the podcast, I guess, around the time this album came out because I, I just... Well, he's not going to miss a few seconds of the song. So if you're listening, you can go back and and hear the opening or early episodes where I I used the uh, music. Anyway, uh, thank you for that. And um, I just want to mention, go to JoshRouse.com, get on his newsletter, follow him also on Yep Rock, which is his uh, label. Uh, You can also follow him on Facebook and Twitter every album is uh, a delectable experience orally speaking and i recommend you uh, check out his his uh catalog if you're not already familiar with it and I, i promise you you'll be uh become a fan just like i am here it is my conversation with singer and songwriter musician extraordinaire josh rouse here on film wax radio Good, how are you doing, Josh?
1: Good, where are you?
0: I'm in New York. Okay. I'm actually in uh, the final days in an apartment in Forest Hills, Queens, and um, I'm going upstate shortly.
1: You're moving out of the apartment?
0: Yeah, it was sort of a temporary, I got sequestered here once the uh, quarantine started. It was my dad's apartment, yeah. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, so it's a long story. (laughs) For another time.
1: Okay. All right. Um, how are I'm you? Gonna go upstate, huh? I'm doing good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in Valencia, Spain. My I know. my wife and and uh, kids are here. So I came over the 24th of March, just in time. Got oh, one right. of the last flights.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> it's a little <laughs> Casablanca kind of thing. Where? Yeah. <laughs> you, right, you got the last. The last. Forgot 20. this is a
1: film podcast. Yeah. <laughs>
0: right sort of yeah uh i did have an author on actually i have my the book around here somewhere but on casablanca he wrote about 5 years ago that was fun because you know just got to read a a, a very thorough it's an immigrant story you know it's a really cool immigrant story when you look at it in that through that prism you know and
1: i've just, seen i have watched the whole thing
0: you you haven't
1: no, I I remember, I've, I've seen parts of it, you know, just the famous scenes that they put on there, on you know, term
0: sure. classic
1: movies or whatever it is. From,
0: you know. Yeah, Yeah. well you have something, you know it's interesting, and I, I once took and then and I also once took what's that guy's name, famous screenwriter he does the seminar, I don't know why I'm blanking on it, but it's like worldwide famous and hmm. you can attend it, you know, he goes from city to city or what have you and and um, and I just thought it would be. And it, remember that movie Nicholas Nicholas Cage was in adaptation. you Remember that? Oh movie? yeah, Meryl Streep, and he plays two brothers. Do you oh, that was
1: such a good movie. That's a Charlie Kaufman
0: film, isn't it? You passed the him. test. See, you <laughs> you can do film podcasts. Yeah. So he yeah, was. Really,
1: I don't know. I wonder. Has he done anything lately? Because he was really. He really back when was that like the early 2000s? He was really coming up with some create. Did he he did the uh
0: the mouth, the mind of John Malcolm inside the head of John Malcolm? Yeah, that
1: was just brilliant,
0: man. Everyone walked out of that
1: movie going, Well, I didn't think of that.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah,
1: psychedelic,
0: yeah, yeah. I don't, you're absolutely right. I don't know, but the guy, if you remember an adaptation, he, one of the brother, the you know, the kind of the brother that you're more. The the one that was the Nicolas Cage that was kind of on the downwards trajectory. <laughs> remember the loser brother was yeah. writing screenplays and all of a sudden somebody bought. I don't know. It was being made and so that. But the first Nicolas Cage, he goes to that seminar and then he's confronted by the teacher. Do you remember the lecturer? Do you remember that at all? It's such a yeah. for so many years that that guy was is a real guy, not the guy the actor. Oh, okay. And oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, he does this screenwriting thing, um, and I took the class with a friend of mine years ago, like like yeah, shortly after adaptation came out, so it was really and it was a lot of fun, so they they showed Casablanca in, and they would just stop it, they would show it in beats, so it took like three hours to watch it, and he would just go by beat by beat of the film, just t- you know taking it apart and um it was really it was wonderful. it was a, a very different way to watch a film for me, you know yeah
1: that's cool
0: all right well thank you for your time take care god bless
1: yeah <laughs> that's
0: it well you and i actually our paths have crossed in the past in your brooklyn days uh yeah when i i, I, I guess i already was a fan and a, you know one of your, a, i you know had your a number of your your albums you know just a lot of browse stuff here and I, I guess, I don't know if I knew you were living in Brooklyn at the time, like in Carroll Gardens or Cobbleville or something.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Uh, yeah. And I was living, I don't know why I was there as much at that time. I think I was living in Manhattan. But I had lived in Carroll Gardens for many years before that. But for every reason, I was there. And I, I saw you once or twice. And, and once I stopped you and, I, and we said hello. But okay. That happens all the time. But then I was on the second ever... Kayamo Cruz.
1: Oh, you were on that?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: The one I got yeah. left on, yeah. What? I missed the boat on that one in Mexico. You did? Oh, yeah, you didn't know that. Yeah, they haven't asked me back. Oh, I, I had Myself no... and like seven other people, yeah. We, oh. we were, uh, we were we missed the, you know, I think it, we docked and if you were on the same, you were on the same one then
0: i had to have been i mean I, I don't know it had to have been 2007 was, or 8 or something <laughs> i don't remember
1: yeah I, I, yeah it was 2008 okay I think. that's right and we yeah and we stopped in mexico and we all got off and um and then we got the ship timer wrong and went back and and the ship was taken off and they they said the the cruise was taken off they said well you know you can't get back on you're gonna have to charter a flight to catch up and it was so that's what we had to do. The next day was charter a little a little puddle jumper that wouldn't start, and uh, it was it was like Gilligan's Island. There was actually it was myself and um, and my wife and the uh,
0: and Marianne, a,
1: prof- a professor, um, <laughs> a couple girls, Holly Williams, who's you know Hank Williams Jr.'s daughter. Oh yeah. And her, she's her boyfriend at the time was named. His name's Chris Jansen. I see him in Nashville sometimes. He's become kind of a country star. Anyway, we were all kind of stranded there, and we had to um, get a little, you know, a little private plane to get to the next stop.
0: I had no idea. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: it was crazy. Anyway. Oh well. Because- so we met on that, on that cruise. Well, we had an inter, yeah, we definitely had an interaction. I guess it was once you were back on the cruise because I was sick the first couple of days, you know, and, um, yeah, I don't know. I think I drank something bad or I don't know what happened to me just a couple of days. And then I kind of went out on deck finally when I was feeling human again. And I met, I was like just laying out on a chaise lounge or what have you. And this mother and daughter that I met there, they, I mean, I, I I hadn't even met them yet. They they were the, they were. Do you are you wearing sunscreen? Are you okay? Because we're worried about you. And um, this so is again, it's like third day. And um, and I said, yeah, I'm fine. Uh, and then I'm starting to talk with. From that moment on, they adopted me on that cruise because wow. I, I couldn't get any friend to go. Wow. And I was recently divorced, and I just it was my way of taking myself like on a vacation. Yeah. And I had a young son at the time and I was just miserable because I, you know, got sick. I was missing my kid. I thought, Oh, what a mistake. And, you know, even though, um, uh, by the second or third, by like the first night I talked to somebody who worked for the concert series and they ended up giving me a, a, another band for like the, the early show. So I had like, you know, remember how they had two shows every day? Yeah. Things. So I could go to like, see so much music. So I was seeing like, you know, uh, Demi Harris and Lyle Lovett, yeah. you know, all those guys, uh, Sean Colvin. And, and I had been working in the music industry at Sony Music, so I knew a lot of these people, you know, not personally, but, uh, you know, I was really into the music. And so, and I was really thrilled that you were there. And then you were playing, like, a smaller show one night, anyway, in one of the lounges, right? Do you remember this?
1: In the ca- I had a casino gig, yeah. Yes,
0: it was in the casino. But you were terrific, and I had met this girl, and of course she was from Nashville. It turns out where my recently divorced wife was also from Nashville. I got married in Nashville, um, oh, wow. yeah, at Cheekwood.
1: Oh, okay, nice.
0: yeah, it was a beautiful spot, so I'm just going to show this to you, and then i'll I'll actually make this uh podcast about you because <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking, I'm hogging about. Oh, that's I mean, us. Look how young we were. Wow, yeah. Look at me. Jeez. yeah, yeah. Well, this is, be- I'm used to be closer to that weight, not like I am here quarantining <laughs> for three months and i am gotten fat and tasty and oh well.
1: Um, how, how's the situation in New York now? Pretty, are people out and I know there's, you know, a lot of uh, um, protests going on and, and, and that sort of thing are are people getting out now with masks and eating in restaurants? I mean,
0: no, I don't no, no, not quite like that, but I'm a little bit out of the way now because as I said I'm not in Brooklyn. I'm really right. I'm really off the beaten path for lately, but it's kind of good. But no, like very nobody's sitting in restaurants. No, that hasn't happened yet. But wow. people people go out, you know, and they wear masks because I think we've learned more and more like how you get it and how you can avoid it. So, the majority of people that I see are wearing masks, and you know even if it's just out of respect, you know, if nothing else, um, but people are running errands now. It's like a new way of life in a way. you know it's like we've adjusted, it's been like almost three months, so
1: that's crazy yeah.
0: birth, now they have a curfew this week because of those protests and the adjacent vandalism that's going on from outside frac- mostly from outside fractions that are you know and mm-hmm. so they, yeah. So I was actually supposed to go up a few days ago to see this house I'm gonna be renting. And, uh, and I couldn't even go because I was worried about getting being able to get back into the city and being able to, you were, you're not allowed to be out and drive till, till Sunday. Wow. It's like crazy, it's, so, it's really crazy. Uh, yeah,
1: here in Spain it's been like that too. It's been pretty, it's been intense. Um, but for the past few weeks, maybe three weeks, things have, you know, we're in phase two now. So we can go to the beach, restaurants are opening up. Oh, good. Uh, a lot more activity, you know. I right. mean, wearing the mask, we wear the mask when we go down, but if you're exercising, you don't have to wear one. You know, people are eating it. So a few people wearing them on the street, I don't know if it really, you know, and then the rest, you know, people are sitting on the street having beer or whatever, you know. And, right and the outdoor cafes, which is really popular. So I don't know how effective the masks are to that, you know, if you're outside or, you know.
0: Or is most of the eating outside too? Like at restaurants, they have a lot of outdoor, like, you know, it's Europe. So a lot of people eat outside. They do,
1: they do, but they're at half capacity now inside. People you can go inside and like every other table, they can, they can sit. So
0: can right. seat, excuse me. So they stay open twice as many hours now, the restaurants.
1: The- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Man, I don't know. Yeah, so we'll we'll muddle through. Some, I mean, we have no choice, right?
1: Yeah. So, right. are you
0: coming back? I know you split your time in between Valencia and Asheville.
1: I don't know. Yeah, I'm kind of looking at flights and figuring out this summer with with uh, the children, and we have a home there that's kind of. I have someone checking on and Our dog is with my aunt. You know that we're trying to all, we're trying to figure all that stuff just like everyone else you know i can't really travel that well we probably can now but then coming back and you know the whole thing we've been homeschooling and they still have one more week left here so it's been it's been uh definitely a challenge i haven't been able to you know all my concerts have been canceled until october right um so yeah Let's, i was just actually working on some finances before you called and going okay what's gonna happen now what are we going to do?" So, yeah, I': well, sure that... you're
0: welcome and sorry.: <laughs> uh, So it was interesting because I've been trying to, I guess more aggressively, in the last few weeks, to connect with you, because you're one of these musicians that I've just felt, uh, you know, has provided me with so much joy over the years, and I've seen you play. Uh, once I saw you downtown in the city, I don't remember the venue. It's like outside. It was like probably 15 years. Ago. I don't know what year it was, but some, some. Oh,
1: was it was was it a park outside?
0: Yeah,
2: that
1: was a cool. That was a great show. I remember that. Was that.
0: A, it was a wonderful show.
1: We played. It, it was like I wasn't sure. You know, it kind of packed up in there, and everyone was seated. And then I think after the third song, I think we played that song Caroline or something. Everyone stood up, and the whole thing just changed. And we were like, "Yeah, but this I, is this I, is more I, like." I can't remember what the. I, I saw Cat Power there. I saw a bunch of shows there. Fort the few years something. Ago that I did
0: it. Fort something.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It's like a Fort something Park or something like that, right?
1: Right, exactly.
0: Like a Battery right. Park or something, or bat-
1: bat- was it Battery Park?
0: I don't know. It might have been in that area. It's so long yeah. ago, but it was. You're right. It was a great show, and um, it was the first time I saw you live, and then the Keamo thing, of course. So I was, you know. I, I, I do this podcast. It's mostly, like you said, at the beginning, film people. But, you know, it. I, I also do like to talk to other types of storytellers or artists. And yeah. so I bring on the music. And so I, and then I had on, uh, I was also a fan of Joe, Joseph Arthur. Oh, yeah. For many years. And uh, I guess the catalyst was maybe when I saw you on his podcast recently. Podcast. Was,
1: oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Great. Yeah. And I said, hey, I I got, but I I had Joseph uh, also, I I was at a party like last, around the holidays, a friend of mine has every year in the village, in the East village. And um, I'm standing there, I'm hanging out. And the next thing I know is Joseph walks in. I never met him. I've seen his shows, but maybe I met him like, can you sign the CD, you know? But, um, and I was just starting to tell you, it was so sweet. you know and i, yeah, I said, look you know i kind of like always feel a little bit self-conscious bringing it up because It feels awkward but i said you know i do this podcast you come on and it was right before he was re- starting his podcast you know so he's really into it so we i met him at his apartment like a week later and we did it it was great
2: yeah
1: he's uh he's a good guy i've known him for a while
0: yeah just the circuit right and the
1: yeah i think yeah i think we started at the same time and um i had uh, uh some friends up there that uh played in his band and then they would come down and play with me and then uh, oh, really? we met her at a show yeah kind of shared a couple of music and one of the guys that was producing the under cold blue stars record he was working on one of joseph arthur's records at the same time flying back and forth between Nashville and, and uh in New York, so we just kind of we knew each other through, you know, through friends, and and then well, I think we met at a show or something, and then we did a couple of show festival shows together, and yeah,
0: very cool. Um, well, so I don't know. Remember, I guess I went through the website or something to, uh, and then I get an email from this guy, Jake Goralnik. right, and I'm like Goralnik?
1: That's, yeah, Peter Burelnik.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. And I was like, oh, that's another guy I've been wanting to talk to forever. So
1: it's
0: <laughs> we'll, see, uh, we'll see what happens. You know, I've I read a number of his books, you know, over the years. So Yeah. What do you mean? How did you connect with him?
1: Um actually I connected with him through my record label, Yep Rock. Right. Um, I was without a manager for a while and and the guy who who uh who kind of started Yep Rock, Glenn, said, hey, why don't you talk to my friend Jake? And he manages a bunch of people, and I think he'd be great for you. So that's what happened. And to come to find out, Jake's wife worked with me when she was at Ricoh Disc, and, and Jake knew about me the whole time because he, he was up around Massachusetts where Ricoh Disc, you know. Oh. He was friends with the guy. He used to run the record label, all that kind of stuff. So kind of... So yeah, it yeah. worked out that way. Yeah.
0: He's a good guy. Um, And then, um, okay, so I told you about (laughs) Kiyamo and about all the connections. So um, I'm I'm just kind of happy to uh, get to know you a little bit and and talk about whatever's on your mind. Uh, I know you recently released a live album I downloaded. Oh cool. What is called? Light huh. I,
1: there there was a um, kind of a misunderstanding about the title and I liked it so much that I just kept it for the title you know. Sure. Uh, we, it's a weird it's a weird so Yep Rock is out is in North Carolina and there's a a weird venue is called Hall River Ballroom and it's in a town called Saxapaha. <laughs>
0: it's mouthful yeah. Yeah.
1: And so we played there back in 2015 and not a lot of maybe a hundred people came, you know, from because Chapel Hill and yeah, that's close, but it's like, it's like 20 miles. It's out in the country. I see. So, so if people want to go out and have a drink or, you know, they don't, it was it was strange. So, um, we went there and we played this show and, and nothing ever happened with the show. And then <clears throat> I think they were going through the archives and they kind of thought, Hey, what about this show? It's a good time to release some, some of this stuff. So I listened to it and I said, yeah, this is good. I, why don't you, know, I'll mix it up. I mixed the, the tracks. And then um, I have a little mastering program on my uh audio mastering program. And I mastered it. And I put M-T- MSTRD or something like paul Hall mastered. And, and they thought it oh. said paul Hall mustard. Right. So I I said, what are you going to call it, Saksipaha Mustard? And I said, yeah, that sounds great. And then I just, you know, my wife did a little kind of sketch of a mustard bottle. So that is just kind of an inside silly title.
0: Yeah, no, I like that. I like that. It's just sort of, you know, it's an organic thing, which you end up embracing as opposed to, yeah, you know, YEP records. They seem to be less hung up on conventional ways of yeah things the way, you know, like I spent years at Sony Music, which, you know, it's corporate. I mean, it was yeah. a fun environment to work. But an artist like you, they just wouldn't... By the time I got there in the n- mid-90s, you know, you'd have a wonderful artist and i just sit uh, like yourself or somebody and I would just say, oh man, one album, that's all they got. Because they would put no money oh, in yeah. They just didn't know how to cater to a particular type of artist. You know, they were very good at Celine Dion. Right. And, you know, Ricky... Uh, um, uh, Martin,
1: Ricky Martin, Ricky Martin,
0: yeah, yeah, some great, mind you, great talented singers and artists, but you know, mass appeal. I mean, on a level, like you know, and they were just, you know, this was their their ninety percent of their budget went into those, and then you get somebody like Mike Viola, you know, and well, they did maybe a couple of albums, but they really just, you know, or Michael Penn is another guy, you know, and uh, oh
1: yeah,
0: you know, yeah. just incredible talent, but they just. You know, it was too you know too big a distribution company, but yeah, to- I
1: talked I talked to some major labels back in the day too. Oh, sure. that, that was that that was kind of the the vibe that my manager and I at the time got to is and and they kind of the A and R people that were we were talking to. Actually, I was lucky because they were all pretty straightforward. They kind of said the same thing: you're going to get one shot. They'll probably give you a good budget to do it, but if it doesn't really do anything, then you know you're back to where you were.
0: And you're, you're kind of in between a rock and a hard place to some degree because, like you say, maybe they'll pay, you'll be able to work in a studio with some great musicians or bring your own out of doors. But then you really have to work your ass off kind of promoting it yourself because they're just not going to spend much mo- enough money on you.
1: That's right, yeah.
0: You, they have to plaster subway stations or bus shelters or magazines and newspapers. And um, mm-hmm. so people know you're there, you know? yeah it's tricky it's tricky you know but how can you not be want to consider something where you know the home of bob dylan and bruce springsteen and wherever you're
1: yeah i definitely felt like i could have benefited from uh a a major label after my fourth or fifth record i think you know and i did talk to him and then i got too good of an offer from it that was kind of a big time where people were doing their own music and I had enough of a fan base internationally to where if I put out my own record with another company, they were going to give me like an incredible percentage deal. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and I could keep doing the, the thing about making, um, you know, like you said, a, a product for um, a mass, you know, a big audience is that there's going to be a lot of, a lot of cooks in the, in the kitchen going, Oh, you know, yeah. Producers and R. Uh, no, we need to mix it with this guy and I didn't have a lot of patience for that, you know it it suddenly becomes something that you that you've written or you want to produce and you put a lot of energy into uh becoming something else completely, you know, and I mean, that happens with films as well or or screenplays you know, and they get rewritten, and you know here, here's what we think a lot of people are gonna like and you know and then you kind of um it can make you feel like what you've created isn't really yours anymore. And, mm-hmm. and it isn't to some, it isn't to some degree because you create it and it's out there and people can enjoy it and they make of it what they, what they want to. Um But having control over what, what people hear, what people see is, uh was more important to me than, than becoming a, maybe a John Mayer at that point, you know?
0: Right. Who was, who's a great example. Who, but you know, like, would you see yourself at that time when you were considering after your third, fourth, fifth album, when you were grappling with the idea of going with a major label, were you also thinking, you know, Madison square garden? I mean, was that ever something that was important to you? Like a really big venue or, you know, the and theaters and where you, you know, I
1: don't think I had the self-confidence. I think, um, um, I think I uh I toured with people and I opened for people that um had a lot of success
2: uh
1: after we knew each other but uh David Gray for instance um mm. I toured opened up for him when that he put out a record called White Ladder that ended up selling like 10 million records or something. But
0: they just had the 30th anniversary, right? Didn't they? I don't know. I, I don't know but
1: I, I, Okay. I remember them doing that. I got the opening tour for that. And it was just starting to happen. That record had just come out. I think it had done something in Ireland, like, you know, sold 50,000 copies in Ireland, but there was a big story. And everywhere we went, he was on the radio, like we were at the hotel, whatever. And I was like, wow, something, or, you know, playing in the lobby or I go to the hotel room and there'd be a video. So it was, you know, all the shows were selling out. They were small places. They weren't big places. And that was happening. And then next year, I went to go see him. He was playing Madison Square, like two nights at Madison Square Garden. So that definitely was, I thought, wow, is this something I could, you know, if I had the chance, would I want this? And and I didn't feel like my music or my songs, I don't think I had the self-confidence to really, um, To, uh, I didn't believe in myself enough, right? Maybe too cynical, I guess, to really... want to embrace that. Like I could have not mature enough, maybe (laughs) emotionally to, to, I know that sounds strange, but I think uh, when things really started happening, I would uh, always try to downplay them a little bit Um, Mm -hmm. because my career did definitely grow kind of slow and organically and and I enjoyed it. But whenever things started getting bigger, I had a big opportunity. I think I would kind of go, Oh, do I really want to do that? And really what what it was, was just a lack of, um, Uh, Fear of fear of failure. I I think, yeah, which happens to a lot of people, you know, and it definitely happened uh, with me sometimes. Although, you know, deep down, I kind of I wanted those things, you know, but I thought I don't think my that many people would enjoy my music, and I knew that um, sometimes making there's some people artists that can manage their career enough to where, or they have a manager that can do it for them, that can do a lot of speaking for them to put them in positions to where. Um, um, I didn't feel like I had the personality to do the radio interviews or, you know, that kind of a, a celebrity thing to get me to a Madison Square Garden or, you know, or maybe I was, you know, to to put it in a more modest way, maybe I was a bit too humble. You know, I, I just, I didn't, that's fine. But playing in, uh, you know, playing at, uh, Battery Park was great.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's no, and, and, and your, your songs are, I mean, the majority of your mu- music, I mean, you can scale accordingly, of course, if you're, you know, going to play Madison Square Garden, let's say, if it's not your show, maybe you're just there with a, some sort of other kind of situation. But primarily speaking, you have an intimate type of approach. I mean, your voice right. and your song, Exa- yeah, it's intimate. And you, there's no intimacy at Madison Square Garden. No. I mean, I, you know, good- by and large.
1: There's a great uh, book that how music works. Have you ever heard about the David Byrne book called How Music Works?
0: No, I don't know. Have that. you heard of this?
1: Oh no. man, it's great. And he kind of he explains back. it to where how music is how music is created and it's created with some place in mind. Like when they were starting out, they created those talking heads, those songs for the CBGBs to play in that room. You know, the recordings were almost like that. No reverb, it wasn't big, it was direct. Very quick, tight notes. You know, very syncopated right. rhythms. Sure, I can, I think my stuff's kind of like that too. It's kind of bedroomy. You know, kind of like you say, intimate. Kind of. It sounds great with headphones on, but in a live setting, someplace like Joe's Pub is probably more fitting than a Madison Square Garden. And you know, I opened up for people playing bigger places, and I remember the soundman going, "You know, <laughs> you've got to change it. You've got to change it up. People yeah. can't hear you." And You know, you got to turn the amps up and you got to project. And I did. And that was fun, you know, but at the same time, it it didn't really feel. I felt like I was actually, you know, changing what I did quite a bit to to fit that venue. Uh, Whatever. Uh, That's a whole different thing. But it's a cool book. And uh, it always makes me, um, when I'm playing for social distance crowds, in my concerts now and it almost makes right. me feel like hey i, I knew what i was yeah, doing all along
0: yeah now you can play madison square garden because you know exactly 200 people show up and be perfect that's right everybody's 10 seats apart It's perfect. <laughs> oh my god are there actually shows booked for the fall do you have yeah. yeah i
1: i had them i had them booked i had some actually had some festivals some kind of smaller boutique boutique festivals here in Europe. Um oh, okay. this summer this summer that were moved to next summer. That's what they're kind of doing with a lot of yeah. a lot so. of the, the festivals and concert dates. But I had some dates in April that were moved to October. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they'll they'll happen. I don't know.
0: I hope so too. It's of course you're bread and butter, but you know, and it's you you know it's your yeah. it's your yeah, uh, yeah. living I'm just like, the one, one of the main things I look forward to uh, being in New York city in the summer, the spring and the summer are all the shows that go on, you know, and all the music around this, you know, it's just in Brooklyn and downtown. Yeah, It's just such an incredible thing. There's free concerts and shows at like Lickett's center and, you know, Prospect park. I mean, they're just so wonderful. And I know, let alone going to see a few shows elsewhere and it's just uh, and I usually of course at film festivals uh, also so you know you it's all it's over so it's, this whole year is, is, is I know
1: it's been, it's been a real shitty 2020 man Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah I'm definitely missing seeing we went out to eat the other night and we were sitting outside and there was two guys with acoustic guitars and a guy playing the saxophone at another table in a different restaurant outside. Just kind of hippie-ish dudes, you know, but it felt so, it was like, oh, yeah. I really miss just hearing live music and going to see shows. Because I go see quite a few shows in Nashville and here in Valencia when, I, when I'm here, um, yeah. when I'm not touring. So I, I, I know people, the fans and people who play music are, are missing it a lot.
0: Um, what do you like to go see?
1: Uh, whomever, you know, I have a lot of friends that play. Um, I I have a couple just frequent spots that I go to in Nashville, like a place called the five spot, Mm. which is, it's like a dive bar, I guess, but it's great local and, and national, international groups play there, but I know everybody there, you know, um,
0: come on, Josh, come uh, on, please. Come on, please. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you, um, and you know Nashville's
1: full of full of you know incredible talent. So everywhere you go, is everyone's really good.
0: Right. You know? No. No. Yeah. There's a lot of. I'm sure you can't just show up at the, uh, you know, am, too amateur in Nashville because even the street buskers are uh, incredible talents. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, uh, where Where is the five spot? What neighborhood is that in?
1: That is in East Nashville. That's where our house is in East Nashville.
0: Okay. Yeah. I got. I used to be. Uh, my in-laws were there for many years, so um I was uh, frequently making trips there and during and then we of course like I said earlier we got married there. So there were a bunch of trips around that and coordinating all that. And I wow. miss Yeah. I miss it. You know. I miss my trips there. Yeah. But I have a son my son's he saw his cousins there, so
1: how old how old is he now? My son? Yeah.
0: Shoot, I knew you were gonna ask me that. No, I'm kidding, he's 16. Oh, great. Wow. Yeah, he just wow. turned 16 a couple of weeks ago. His mother, was who's working in Los Angeles, she flew in, we stayed here, she, we, she brought him back to Los Angeles. He has also a half-sister, so she brought the kids back to Los Angeles. So, as of like three weeks ago, I've been alone here, which is, you know. Which has been okay. I, I thought it was going to be. I was going to be better, but it's it's a little bit. Uh, I, have a, I mean, I have a lot of friends around. It's pretty isolating, you know.
1: I know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know.
1: Have you been watching any any films?
0: Oh yeah. Well yeah, I, I am watching a lot of films, and um, I you know I've been, i I do the podcast, and um, I bring on a lot of filmmakers and actors onto the show, and uh, I'm trying to think of what I've been watching lately it's things are kind of slowing down in that regard too though you know so i i kind of like catch up or i rewatch a lot of stuff like i don't know if you know do you remember that movie gas food lodging yeah sure uh yeah. so i had on the allison anders who you know directed that and oh cool she made a bunch of movies so she came on recently so you know what i do, end up doing is i end up rewatching a lot of the films or watching the ones that I I've not seen before. So, cause I really try to do my due diligence, you know, when I, when I bring somebody on, um, and then coincidentally, my just through this series of, of, of bizarre incident, I'm now getting Ileana Douglas on. Do you know her?
1: Mm-hmm. Who's
0: that? the actor Ileana Douglas? You would no, know what she was in, um, what is the thing she might be best known for? She's been on a lot of movies. You, rec- you would re- definitely recognize her. She's uh, uh,
1: Eliana Douglas.
0: Eliana Douglas. I L L E A N. Oh. and she was in. Do you remember How many that times
1: has Scor- How many times has Scorsese been married?
0: I'm creep- I don't know. I'm I don't think. I don't think that often. Okay. I don't know. I. I but. This was back in the day. So she, she was in, remember? Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I know. I, I see her photo now. Yeah. Okay.
0: Know. You know, yeah, cause she was in that famous scene in Cape Fear where De Niro bites her cheek off. Yes. Yeah. Remember that?
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: You remember that? And so, uh, but she was also in Allison Andrews' movie, Grace of My Heart. Did you ever see that one? Oh, yeah. Uh, that was a good thing.
1: Yeah. Yep, yeah. yeah, I
0: do. I thought that was a great one, you know, where she's plays basically like a Carol King type.
1: That's so, yeah, that's what I thought she was yeah. And I think Jay Mascus is was Jay Mascus kind of her husband in that or something? He did the music for it. No, there was a guy that did the kind of I have to go back and watch that movie, but there there was a guy that she was uh married to or whatever.
0: In well, that. she was married to
1: Eric Stoltz, I think, well, I don't know if they got married, actually. Oh, and Eric Stoltz, yeah, and and the music, played, is like a... right. music is Jay Masks. It's Jay Masks, it's his music.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. She played, he plays sort of like a Jerry Gotham type of...
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And then she falls in love with Max Dillon, who plays sort of a Brian Wilson type of guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, very close to the Brian Wilson. So... You know, if you're a big fan of that type of thing, Straight to My Heart was terrific. Of course, the music was written by, you know, a number of those guys, uh, like Jerry Gotham and a few others. Yeah. They contributed music. And then, of course, Burt Burt Bacharach and Elvis played uh, God Give Me Strength that came out of that. And um, so... Uh,
1: One of my good friends just did an EP with Burt Bacharach, co-wrote it, and Burt produced it and played on it. (laughs) when the, last year last year
3: last, last year.
0: year he's got to be pushing 90 right
1: yeah yeah and he still gets her, you know still maybe. flew to nashville for the session and
0: yeah really? great. wow which which yeah. is that which artist
1: uh, the, that? it's a friend and i've written a lot of songs with him his name's daniel Tashin.
0: okay yeah i think i've heard you mention him maybe when you were talking to joseph um brought him up yeah, yeah.
1: He just won a uh, Grammy. He produced uh, this girl, Casey Musgraves, who won oh, a bunch well, of Grammys.
3: He yeah, produced
1: no and co-wrote. He co-wrote and produced that record. And then after oh, that, he. Man. yeah. I think he might have met Burt before that, but he's he's good. He's really good. And he's good at getting out there and,
0: Amazing. and meeting people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, he's so beloved. And, uh, you know, um, he's written so many songs ever written, my God. Speaking yeah. of Jimmy Webb is another guy, um, Wichita lineman and all that stuff, mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. of that stuff. And he's still, you know, as far as I know, he's still quite active.
1: Yeah, I think 2013, I did this kind of variety show and he was on there.
0: You Oh, you did yeah. one with with yeah,
1: yeah, it was like seven years ago, but I remember him, he, was, he did Wichita lineman on the piano and told a bunch okay. of stories and... He was very pleased with himself.
0: <laughs> was he?
1: Seriously, seriously yeah.
0: Oh, was, wow. He's yeah, he maybe, telling... maybe he's earned it. Maybe, you know. Yeah, he's
1: earned it. That's right. As long as he's not um,
0: being um, obnoxious to the other artists, which I'm getting a little bit of. No, no. No? no? Oh, that's good. From
1: the, this was from the stage, yeah. Yeah. Um, have you ever interviewed uh, Nicole Holofsener?
0: That's funny you asked that. Why would you ask that?
1: Well, because before we did this, I was trying to think about some songs that I have had.
0: Uh, oh, films. I see. I understand why you probably thought I was going to ask you about that.
1: Right. Um, no, that, and it's kind of, you know, I kind of wanted to look around and, um, and uh, I mean, back in the early 2000s, I had a bunch and some cool films, uh, Which some people one? that became, you know, directors, they became fans. It surprised me. Well, uh,
0: nice. That's nice. I, see, I I think anybody who has musical taste, who is introduced to your music is going to become a big fan, but that's my, yeah, my well,
1: Cameron Crowe, Cameron Crowe helped introduce my music to a lot of people. He put one of my songs in Manila Sky. And, oh, right. Uh, and that really kind of, I, you know. That really did kind you, of uh, then, exposed you, my yeah. music to a lot more people than would normally hear
0: it. Right, so. and then you are like, hey, you know, maybe you can include McCartney. I kind of feel like, you know, a little sarcastic yeah. guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, then I super, supervise the rest of the, the, uh, the soundtrack, of course, 4 oh, Jeff Buckley, yeah, Radiohead. Yeah. Um, but um, Nicole is someone who used one of my songs, and I, and I suppose that, you know, what happens a lot is that they put in temp music for a scene and they act to it and they end up keeping it if, if it's approved. And I, I guess that's what's ha- what happened. But I heard that she was a fan. So uh, I was what just curious. I if, love uh,
0: her. No, no. And I love her. It, it's funny. I did meet her and I did kind of, this was before the podcast though. And I was, I was, I was, you know, writing stuff at the time interview, writing it up instead of a podcast or I would write reviews. I mean, I wasn't really doing with any real, enthusiasm. I the podcast, however, I really love doing. I mean I, it's a passion. But um and there was a junket in the city in New York City with for one of her films. And I, I'm not remembering off the top of my head which one, but it was a while ago. It was at least ten it was good maybe eight or nine years ago at least. But she did at one oh man, I gotta look it up now too, because I I, I love most of her films. I mean I think she's and I've been trying, I would love to get her on. Do you remember which which one your song made it into?
1: Yeah, it was called Lovely and Amazing.
0: Well, that's one of her best films. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that the one where the woman asks her husband to tell her what he thinks of her body and not to lie? Oh, yeah. Is that that is one?
1: It Catherine, is it Catherine Keener?
0: I think it is. is it- It may be her. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen it. What a great podcast! It's
1: been been twenty years since I've seen it too, so I can't remember all that.
0: and and then and and he goes and he just like is uncensored. You know, he just lays into her, telling her every flaw, and she's devastated, (laughs) devastated. Is Catherine? Well, Catherine Keener worked with her a bunch of times. Yeah. Yeah no I I would love to get folk uh, and maybe now is the time to do it because um you know everybody's kind of home and and quieter you know maybe you can get some Yeah they, they but, can't
1: really I guess they can make films I mean, they can do what they want to I suppose Yeah I
0: I think the next well you know we're gonna see the sort of the like i guess music music too i mean you always going into this people going i guess the studio is a lot going into a studio is much easier because you you can distance there you can isolate the musicians you can multi-track yeah if i if i use terms that are confusing to you let me know because uh the musical (laughs) terms Uh, uh but like a music, I mean, a movie, a film, forget it. I mean, you, you know, it's like, I mean, you can. And I think you're going to see a lot of smaller stories about with fewer people in it. I guess if it's done right, you won't notice necessarily that, um, you know, there's no big crowd scenes or big, huge, you know, whatever. Yeah.
1: So next year they'll probably put out a lot of films that were shelves.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, please give. This could be good
1: could be good for some some people who who made them
0: yeah i'm sorry to backtrack again but the movie i was thinking of with that nicole director was please give do you ever see that one
1: uh, no
0: katherine uh-uh. keener and oliver platt um okay they're a couple in manhattan and it's 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 really good uh, she's a good writer yeah which yeah. song did you have in um, Lovely and Amazing
1: uh, I think it was one off my second record I think it was called Laughter or, or something like that I can't remember to be honest but uh,
0: so Vanilla Sky Lovely and Amazing two big I think those are two really well known movies
1: well uh, yeah I had uh, and at that same time Sidney Pollack evidently became a fan and he and, uh Sidney there was a Pollack? film that came out Sidney Pollack yeah wow oh. And he used a song in, um, in, um, in, in Clute. No, it was, uh,
0: that's the (laughs) seventies, I
1: know. In Clute. Yeah.
0: Uh, Did he direct um, that? I think he directed Clute. I don't know. They shoot horses, don't they?
1: In the the translator. It was one with Nicole Kidman and she plays a, a, oh yeah. It's Sean Penn and Nicole Kidman, and I, I'm trying to think of the, the film, the Trans,
0: something, the Interpreter, or the the Interpreter. That's it. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. It's a
1: pretty good movie. Yeah.
0: I think I saw it. I remember that might have been his last movie, though. Like, or if not, it was probably his second to last. because he?
1: I don't know. Yeah, I know when did, I don't, He died a few. Was I don't know when he died. Did he die.
0: I'm not I'm sure. Not. I'm not sure. Do you have a favorite album?
1: Do I have a favorite album?
0: Yeah, of yours, of your own. That's a hard one because you—they were probably all your children. Um,
1: um, no, I, the first one because it was you know my first record, first time really doing it. Um, but 1972, I liked. I liked uh, that, I liked that record. Too, it was I a think. fun time. It came out. I worked really hard touring. It's
2: beautiful. Touring out. it. Yeah. Yeah,
1: but um, that's when um things start you know started playing for more people it just felt like it became kind of um more people started finding out about that record and me coming to the shows it just felt like something was happening and it and it felt it was fun
0: yeah
1: fun to play those songs and they're kind of groovy you know yeah
0: i love that that's great. out i as a matter of fact i'm wondering where my copy is because i was going through all my cds are in tubs right now so um, yeah, but I, I found a bunch of yours. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I have a, at least four here, and then I have a bunch of downloads like, um, the um, and what is it, The Embers of Time and uh, yeah, yeah. Love in the Modern Age, where you're more love recent in the modern, modern
1: age. age, yeah, yeah,
0: Jazzier's, your jazzy years, yeah. Although that's always there, you've always been interested in the uh, kind of the bossa nova samba type of sound, and right, I love it too, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's something, I, I think there's something kind of, although, you know, my songs can be somewhat melancholy. There's something that's yeah. light and breezy about that music. Just mixing those two things. Uh, right. It's kind of my style. Works for me.
0: <laughs> it's your sweet spot, as they say. And when you, <laughs> and here's an original question. You've probably never been asked uh, when you were kind of coming up and you were starting to, uh, uh, well, first of all, when did you start writing music i should back this up first by asking in high school yeah and were high school bands were you always writing on guitar yeah and then um were there like your go-to guys guys meaning Mm -hmm. women or men
2: not
1: really i mean at that point i would just try to learn a song and then if i was going to write my own song just kind of take a part of another song and rework it a little bit or what and do you know, mean? Just copying, just copying other things. Oh, I would take something off, off, off. I would take, what's that?
0: Yeah, go ahead. I think you're answering my question.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, just how I learned how to write songs was from learning a song by you two, the chords to, uh, you know, Sunday, Bloody Sunday or something. And then uh, the chords to different songs. And then you just learn chord progressions that way and then make up different melodies and suddenly it becomes yours, you know. Um and through that in high school I did, you know, I watched a lot of TV in high school, so some of those songs ended up being actually theme songs to, to television shows. They were just subconsciously there. And, and you know, we get stoned and we'd go over to my friend's house and be like, I'd play him a new song and he was like, I think that's a theme to Magnum P. I. I like, <laughs> No, what am I talking about? And sure enough, it was a theme to Magnum P.I. <laughs> yeah. So Uh, yeah, just anything that was around. I would just kind of uh,
0: it would, yeah,
1: seep in there. You know, even things people. Yeah.
0: So, but that makes sense. Then, out of that, though, do you develop? Right, you figure things out, and it becomes.
1: Yeah, I mean, things get filtered down and mixed together, and all of a sudden, you come up with something that hey, this is kind of original. I don't know where it came from. It's in there. You know, it's all. You know memories and the only information that's in my brain uh, mixed together, and something came out that uh, yeah. was decent. That took a long time, though. You know, I played a lot in a lot of bands in high school and and in college, and recorded with those groups. And I was usually the principal songwriter. Um, everyone would kind of make up their parts, but I was I was the only, always the one with a bit more passion, kind of driving the project you know, trying to get the shows and, and stuff like that. And, uh, um, I don't think it was until my first record that, and, and I decided just to do something on my own that I had some six enough for someone to want to go into business with me, I guess you call it, you know, I thought, yeah. Hey, more people than, than, you know, 50 other people in the university are going to like this or a hundred people or what you know, um, because that's what it was before that. Um,
0: yeah but um and now you have i guess uh you now are on the other end of that you know arc where you're you're maybe influencing other young musicians
2: yeah,
1: yeah I've been working with some um and it's it's fun it's uh, uh it's fun because I was that person at one time working with maybe older artists or producers and asking a lot of advice and being pretty insecure about what I was doing. Um, So there's a lot of uh, handholding that goes on a lot of therapy, uh, which is fun. I don't mind it, you know?
0: Uh, Well, they say that about film director. I've talked to, like I was talking to Barry, you know, Barry Sonnenfeld who directed the Adams family movies and the men in black movies and a bunch of other stuff. And he, he said, you know, a lot of the time you're just like, Somebody walk, you're just making the decisions. They just people want to know you're gonna make the decision. so you hold up a red folder, right. a green folder, or, or somebody comes up to you and they go, here's a red folder, here's a green folder, which one? And they and he goes, The red one. And that they're like, You're a great director, you know? It's kind of like so there is that the decision. Yeah. Say, hey, somebody has to do that, you know.
1: And and to and to, you know, um give a small reason why. Well, you're gonna want that green one because such and such you know it's uh
0: yeah guess. often i think things are so fast-paced maybe they don't even care <laughs> thank you that's all i need yeah. if you get a chance i'll send you i mean you know i'll send you uh or through Pete, uh, jake i can send you uh uh well it's called film wax radio so right um you can you can just check out the show it's on every you know and uh the barry Sonnenfeld. he's he was a very entertaining guy yeah very funny guy but um it's amazing because you you gotta be on i don't know constantly dealing with so many different types of personalities and i try to keep the show you know whenever possible i try to keep it entertaining too because some people that listen to this to this podcast are really into film and they think they're gonna just like learn stuff through anecdotes you know and then i'm hoping that other people can kind of dig it just because, you know, it's fun. And there are people are talking about stuff that, that sort of relates to, you know, that they can relate to. Sure. So, you know, sure. try to accomplish both, the, walk that, that very fine line, you know, between interesting and stupid, as they say. I that. Anyway. What I was say. oh, so the last thing I guess is you're I think I remember also through your conversation with Joseph Arthur um that you have a band and you got guys in Nashville, but you also have a musicians that you work with in Valencia, is that right
1: yeah yeah,
0: so when you're performing, I guess locally or or would you be working on like maybe recording something or like with yeah, those I, types, I, hypothetically I,
2: yeah,
1: I started a studio um with a couple of guys here back in 2010 or 11 I think oh, wow! and they were guys that I had met around that were good and they were playing with different people um on kind of I guess a national level in Spain good musicians mm-hmm. and uh uh-huh. they happened to live in my neighborhood so we became friends and they played with me and um we were still friends and we still play together um and that studio is still kind of Uh, although I'm not here that much, I still do things in there and it's still partly mine, I guess. And uh, so, yeah, and I I also have just a long-standing relationship with Nashville and and a lot of musicians there and, but a a core group that I've played with for the past 20 years. Mm -hmm. So, um, but a lot of what I do now is just solo performance. Um, Makes sense, right? Yeah. Just for, uh, uh, the economics of it and the size of rooms that I'm playing, you know, um, I was going uh, I was going to do some shows this summer with a band that's here in Spain. I see. Um, or if mean, the bigger shows in the States, I do that. But mainly what I do now is our singer-songwriter rooms. So to, to bring a, a full band there and the expenses and just sometimes it's just too much, you know.
0: Oh, yeah, right. No. And it just
1: it doesn't really work in an intimate setting you know i mean it can we, we we can play quiet as well but you know when you get a drummer and and a bass player you kind of want to rock out sometimes in a bigger place and I, I still do that but there's definitely a balance between playing with bands and, and performing solo um usually when i have a new record come out we do a, a two of the states and europe with a band and then it's a mix of things me performing solo or even in, in a duo format sometimes so yeah
0: right or, or you mean half the show might be just you on a guitar and then
1: yeah or i'll bring a drummer i'll do like a jonathan richmond thing where i'll beat drums and guitar and jonathan tell lots of jokes. yeah
0: uh i love that guy too yeah he's great did he go do joseph po- i wonder if he did just a podcast that seems like a natural that seems like somebody who Joseph Arthur would want to get on his podcast.
1: It would be good. I would definitely. That would be a podcast I wouldn't miss. I don't know if, if, if uh, Jonathan Richmond does a lot of podcasts. And, you
0: know, I think he's, oh, okay. Well, he feels kind of
1: anti-anti-technology. Uh, I think
0: he's going to spend a lot of time talking about Zen practices, like you know, and meditation, and he's a, a funny guy.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I love,
0: I love him though. You know. Uh, well i guess i was wondering if um in if you were writing um if, if it's even like something that uh, when you're i don't know how much of your time you're stuck inside but it might be it just you, you know one might think oh you're inside so therefore you must have all this time to now just you know write but in a way it's hard i, I think it might be harder
1: yeah there's definitely a um you think, oh, I should be creating now. And that's that's the first uh, right creative blocker right there is when your mind does it. Oh, I need to be creating It's No, it's over.
2: Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> I, I've made up a few things uh-huh. since the, um, yeah. And I had some things that I was working on actually right before this started in January and February that were really nice. And I kind of got to finish some lyrics for those things. But
0: um, so you are, yeah, you do have a certain, I guess, discipline. So you can put that into practice, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to work on stuff. Um, I also have a, I kind of realized I had time to go through some older hard drives and just a lot of music I haven't released um, that just never fit on a record or sure. from five, seven years ago, songs that I've recorded, having a studio here and just recording at home and um, records worth of material. that uh, So I started a Patreon account. Oh, good. I'm glad you broke up. We can talk about you. The- yeah. And uh, so I'm just release a couple unreleased songs every, every month. And I do a, a live concert there, like a, a private live, live concert. And, uh, and it's cool. I think it's, it shows there's stuff from country songs that I've done to like more Brazilian to, you know, English shoegaze stuff, you know, stuff that, you know, if I'm searching for an idea or I, I just feel like recording or writing something that day and I do it, and I actually flesh it out or even have other people play on it. It just never ends up on a record. Um, but it's a cool thing. Um, that's kind of, uh, that's become a place for that now. And it's great. Okay, and it's like five bucks, you know, I'm just charging five bucks a month. Yeah. Or more, you know, people want to donate more every month, they can. But I think it's – I just started a few months ago, and I think people are really enjoying it. And I'm enjoying kind of going through that and curating it a bit. And I'm telling some stories about uh, writing a song or, you know, talking about, you know, a, a, an experience that I've had. Just kind of some essays, you know. That's way awesome. to get my writing after. And my, my wife is trying to – is editing them.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah? <laughs> she's well, like you need someone to edit these essays and i was like okay i think i saw one i'm obviously this wasn't on your patreon but i think i saw you do one live concert was it Facetime live or instagram live i don't remember which i think i've done youtube maybe youtube live on I, YouTube. and you're yeah you were doing you did like a house show and then um yeah and then at the end your i think your uh your wife was singing harmonies on uh off, off oh yeah off camera yeah yeah was that did you just do one of those or
1: no well I've done one I'm doing just one a month so i've
0: done I've done oh, a couple right because there are people doing like you know every week every so yeah it
1: can I'm be a worried. little bit overwhelmed this this thing is you know artists have a hard time sitting still, so it's definitely overwhelming the amount of instagram live and and facebook live and it, i mean, it's nice uh but it uh you could spend eight hours a day just watching
0: performers, which is good. I know. But I do. Nothing,
1: nothing takes the place of going and know interacting and having a beer and watching a show.
0: No, no, and I, I, I it's nice in the evening to turn that on after you know. It's it's just find somebody doing a house concert right now. It's it feels connective, you know.
1: Yeah, it is nice. I have a friend uh, that I haven't spoken to or seen in a long time in England. He's doing them, and it's kind of just nice to see him. What's? See that he's doing them. what's his name's Tim Keegan. What is it? Tim Keegan.
0: Tim Keegan, okay.
1: Yeah, we've been friends for a long time.
0: So in the Patreon, so people can find it, you just go to Patreon and search Josh Rouse? Is that what?
1: Yeah, patreon.com slash Josh Rouse.
0: Well, very good. People should check yeah. it out. Yeah. And then uh, this will be it. I'll, I'll let you go, get back to it. And thank you very much, by the way, for uh, making the time and you know being... A, a mensch, and
1: uh No, thank so you. Yeah, it's to to you. It's cool to cool know that we've met.
0: Before. Yeah, I'm really really happy about that. Uh, do you struggle with the um, singer songwriter uh, category or name or like that, like, or is, yeah, or have you gone through that? Do you feel like?
1: Oh, there were times where I yeah I have yeah, I'm I'm a little bit too old to care to be honest (laughs) now. I mean, I'm uh, 48 and I think when I was in my twenties, I did, I really, I tried to come up with a band band name when I first started and I couldn't, um, I couldn't come up with anything. And I have a a great list of band names now. um, (laughs) I always, I always threatened to do projects under different names and I get them started and then, and then I never follow through with it. Um, but, um, yeah i i have friends that have monikers um and i've always i've always liked that mm-hmm. uh, and uh no I still think about it, but I don't worry about it too you know i mean no. my name has become enough of a i've been fortunate enough to, to make a career out of uh playing music for over twenty years now um, and it worked to some degree you know I don't have to have another job yet so Uh, that's that's still the goal
0: well thank you very much
1: yeah man good uh good talking to you and good luck with i'll I'll check out the FilmWax
0: podcast yeah please please do in fact maybe you can do a little um in lieu of a song yeah how'd you know i was gonna ask you that i have some pretty good people do it over the years i have to tell you
1: um, what, what, is there a line?
0: Not really. I, I, I wasn't just leaving you hanging in the air like that. I was going to tell you. So the name of the show here, I'll just write it down. Is, although, will this be, I don't know. Do I have to write this mirror wise, like a mirror? So I read this, it backwards. <laughs> is, is that, can you? Film
1: Watch Radio.
0: Yeah, that's the name of it. Film okay. Radio. So anything you want to say, like, uh, yeah, how, I don't know. I don't want to script it for you, but it, unless you want me to. It could just be as simple as, this is Josh Rouse and you're listening to
1: Hang on a second.
2: Oh my god. What a treat!
1: I'm on a, let's
2: see, I'm on a Film Wax Radio Okay. Film Wax Radio Okay. This is Josh Rouse. And you're
0: listening to the FilmWax Radio Podcast. Wow, that was that, a pretty good little. That was an Did you write that song, or did you?
1: <laughs> there you go, man. Thank you. Hey, you got a guitar back there too. Do you play?
0: Yeah, I've been all my life. I've been playing. It's uh yeah you know, Okay. Yeah. It's been and it's been a real south uh, during this period, uh, especially, you know, the, when the first weeks and months were so stressful because we didn't know, you know, there was so much unknown and, and, and anxiety around the virus. And plus, my dad, I didn't tell you this. I wouldn't want to. My father died uh, when all this was going on. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it's heavy, heavy. From the,
2: from heavy. the COVID?
0: Um, no, well, yes and no, he did get it. He was, um, I think honestly he was going to die regardless because he was very, by the end of it, he was already very sick and then, you know, but, um, he'll probably go down as a statistic regardless, you know, how they do it. Uh, um, I'm sorry to hear that, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. I I mentioned only because, you know, the music, just picking up the guitar and playing every day, which I haven't been able to, or maybe not haven't been able to, but I've chosen not to for a long time. And, and now being inside again, and I had this whole community from my summer camp days that were back, like really connected. And I was starting to post a song a day and it really, yeah, it's been the best. And it's very, very cathartic. And, and I've gotten my, you know, playing back at a level, uh, and the singing and all that stuff. So it's pretty nice.
1: nice. Yeah. It feels good. It's, it's definitely therapeutic. Uh, I noticed if I go a few days without even playing guitar or singing, um, I just kind of feel bad.
2: Huh?
1: Yeah, it definitely. Even just for 20 minutes, I know it sounds weird. It sounds like meditation oh. or something, but it, it has that, that uh, I think, the physicality of singing and playing and the way the neurons interact when you have to do that. Uh, for me, it's a natural it's kind of like exercising or something. I feel I feel better after I do. It. It's
0: amazing after like thirty five. Just yes. still for what's that? I said it's amazing after like thirty five years. I'm I'm just started doing the math a little bit. Uh, you said you started like in high school and or at least writing in high yeah. School, but though to to you know to still have the you know that that basic need to you know pick up the guitar like and and just. Do that for for every day
1: well because everything else can go wrong you know <laughs> the yeah. whole the, yeah. the world can can go wrong with that really right uh it really can uh music is one thing that um for me that's always been uh pretty solid as far as uh the way it makes me feel
0: mm.
1: yeah
0: good place to leave it
1: yeah Okay, man.
0: All
1: right. Take care. You too. And maybe we'll see you uh, uh, next year?
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: I'll be around playing in New York. I'm sure I play around New York State quite a bit. So.
0: No, right. Maybe I'll be up there still. We'll see. But I'd come down to see you, too, if you're in the city. Don't worry about it.
1: Yeah, sure, man. We'll keep right. in touch.
0: Definitely. Thank you.
1: Okay, thanks.
0: All right. Take care.
3: Broken lines, broken strings, broken threads, broken springs, broken idols.